I, I seriously, I looked around while I was walking. It's like, all right, you're here. This is what I wanted. I wanted to know what this felt like to go 130 miles, 134 miles, to pass the 18.25 mile run that I did at home as my long run. Once I passed that, this was all new experiences. And I think that's why I slowed down because I haven't gone, done this in a long time. What is it? I want to remember what this feels like. I haven't done an Ironman in seven years. What does eight, what does 19 miles feel like of jogging? Mm -hmm. You have to physically be out there. And so that's what I did. And welcome back once again to the Endurance Hour podcast, episode 381. It's been a week and a half or so, about two weeks, I guess, since our last podcast. A lot has happened. Uh, a lot of news in the world of multi-sport. Uh, yours truly did his uh, Ironman number six. My son did his Iron Kids number one, which I'm probably more excited about than my race. That was pretty awesome. I've got some interesting um, experience to share with you from a a water contrast therapy session that I did yesterday. And then Wendy and I will discuss the new Ironman World Championship venue plans moving forward for 2023 and the reaction I, I read yesterday with some athletes who aren't very happy about maybe feeling duped after they you know accepted their slot with mm -hmm. probably WTC knowing that uh where it was going to be anyhow I was reading some comments so Wendy have you won any races since I last uh we last talked any trail races or 5Ks or something, turkey trots? No, I, I did do a 10K and a 5K turkey trot on Thanksgiving Day, and mm -hmm. that's in Marietta Square. It's a pretty famous um, old town location. It's about a 10-minute drive from my parents' house, so I got to go to visit my mom afterwards. And that's about it. You know, I just ran a run. I, I'm a participant. Someone, I've, quite a few people have asked me, what are your plans, goals, events for 2023? And my word of next year is to be a participant. Mm. I'm a participant. I have no, you know, no big event goals like I've had over the last few years. And I'm pretty happy about that. I feel similar in terms of being content. Uh -huh. After uh, Ironman Arizona, I felt like, okay, I'm good. I really felt like I'm good. This is. Yeah, that's good. I'm set. It's a. Uh, you know how you mentioned how many years you've been in the sport. I started my first triathlon in April of 98. So this is 24 and a half years of being active in the sport. Not that I'm done with it. It's just that I'm content with the Ironman distance. Specifically because of the time commitment and the family I have now. With a, a three and a four and a half year old, This it's just hard to manage the time. And then also the the cloud, the cloud that hangs over me with the the not the obligation I should say it's more like this uh, this time window that I cannot ignore in order to be prepared for the distance. And I was telling my wife actually this morning it's like uh, I'm not quitting the sport. I'm just okay not doing Ironman. I feel like and this is just because I've done it for a long time. I feel like I can do a half Ironman no problem. I, it sounds no it sounds like I'm just being nonchalant, but. I've done it for a while. I can do a half Ironman, no problem. Olympic, I can do in my sleep. But, it, and I was trying to explain to her, just to remind her, you have to prepare your body for the distance. And knowing that, for example, on a Saturday, I have a five-hour window I have to put in. It's not just a matter of 
you you press play and go, it's you got to get ramped up for some of these work. You don't just work out casually to prepare yourself. If you want to perform at a certain level, you have to get into it. You have to really mentally get into it and then execute. And it's just for me, I've done six of them. Last one I did was in 2015, big break in between. And I've had a lot of life experiences happen since. So I'm glad I did it. So glad I completed it, finished what I started, but I'm not really interested right now, not for the foreseeable future at all, uh, of doing the full halves. I'm okay with that. No problem. Uh, and I would want to compete at the halves or possibly compete in the Olympics sprints, not to be rude, just not worth it. You know, it's a, it's an hour race. Oh, see my, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm the opposite. Like I'm <laughs> really? a participant. Yeah. I want to participate in as many events that I have not participated in because I've been doing, you know, training for a, an ultra run or training for an Ironman limited me to doing some of those shorter events that I th- locally, I would do them locally like sprints and Olympics that I haven't been able to do. I, I'm actually looking forward to doing that because there's been very limited amount of years in the last 30 years that I have focused on the shorter races in 2004, 2005, 2006, I did specifically do that. Again, my lifestyle was different. Priorities were different. And I kind of am feeling like I'm going to go back to that. I don't want to do a full, I don't want to even do a 70.3. It's, it's extensive. I want to participate and participating Mm. to me means I don't want to, um, disrupt anything with, because I'm traveling to do a half or a full, I want to be able to like say, okay, I get to go do that Olympic and then I get to move on with my day or I get to do the sprint and move on with my day. And it doesn't cost a lot of money. It doesn't cost much in travel time or accommodation time. So what would be your why on participating in a sprint or an Olympic? If maybe you're a participant and not a competitor. Um, just to do locally support, support the local races and to get in a high intensity workout. And would, 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 uh, maybe the competitive juices jump in and go, ah, if I go a little harder or I want to, you know, I want to do well. Yeah. I mean, so I'm not saying I'm not going to compete as a, as being a participant, Okay. but I'm not going to, you know, training. We've talked about this on other podcasts before training to compete at the level that I was at or am at is different than training to do. You know, I could go do an Ironman tomorrow, but in my mind, what's the point? Mm-hmm. I, I have no desire to qualify for Kona right now. Mm-hmm. And so why, to me, there's no why in going to do an Ironman unless I wanted to use it as a qualifying race for Kona. Same with the 70.3 distance. I have no why or desire to do a 70.3 distance unless I wanted to go to the world championship. And because that's been my why for a few years of doing those longer distance races. Now with the sprint and Olympic, um, again, supporting the local events, meeting people, seeing people, um, it's, it's over with quicker. You get to kind of have still a day ahead of you and not have the full day, um, that you tend to have when you're training for a 70.3, and, it's just a different, it's just a mindset. Again, for me, I enjoy the process and I enjoy the training and the workouts more than that. I enjoy the competitiveness of competing in an event. And I always have. Hmm. So you get out there and you, you do it 
in, in a way, I'd go do it as hard as I could. Okay. At okay. the level, at the level of fitness I'm at at that point, got it. but I'm okay. not going to train for a sprint. I'm not going to specifically train for an Olympic. I'm going to say, Oh, I have a free weekend. I don't have a swim meet this weekend. There's this race going on, for example, in Tugaloo state park, which is a really pretty state park. And I've done that race a few a few times. I'm going to go do Tugaloo because I love the venue. I like the support. I like the race um, company that directs it. Mm-hmm. And it's a good, it's a good workout. It's a good venue to do a multi-sport workout. And so I, I treat, I'm treating these, any events that I do more as a, it's a day of training mm-hmm. in a different way that Ironman's yeah. a day of training. Well, it's a are mindset. You saying, it's a totally mindset. Even as a participant and you will compete once you get in the start line, is is it an event you put on the calendar? And to me, that's maybe that's a difference no. between no, the two. No, I'm not putting I'm not okay. putting many events on the calendar. Got that's it. what I mean. If I happen okay. to have a weekend where again I don't have a swim meet or I don't mm-hmm. have any other obligations, and I'm like, ooh, that event that I've seen in the past is this weekend. Oh, I wonder if it's still open. I'm gonna go do it. Okay. I'm not going to pre my race is not or my race schedule in the near future year, two, three, four, whatever, however number of years is not going to be dictated by an event that I have to sign up for a year in advance. Yeah. There was a, soon after I got back from Arizona, there was an email that came out about pre-register and save money on an Olympic in town. Uh-huh. I'm on a mailing list. And I was like, oh, what, what a year over a year from now you want me to, or, you know, next year you want me to sign up for this now to save 20 bucks. Um, it's like, that's a little premature. Right. For especially for an Olympics, like why do I want a early bird special? I don't want to try and you know a little bit of money grab, but early bird special, what the heck? I mean, right. I don't know. And, Maybe and I'm I, not their audience. Right. And I've talked about again on podcasts and just in life in general. I'm I'm always gonna train. I don't need to sign up for a race to motivate myself to stay healthy and fit and to train. Mm-hmm. Usually the races I sign up for will dictate how far or how long or how intense I do train for. Um, so I'm always at a certain fit baseline fitness level that when I, when I, when I say, Ooh, half marathon this weekend, Oh, it's right down the road from where I live. I'm going to go do it. I planned on doing a 10 to 15 mile run anyways. Why not Mm -hmm. do it in a race setting? Mm -hmm. Because again, there's the race is still put you or me or anyone else at a different intensity level than we would, than we tend to do in a training, um, venue. And it's good to, compete again. I like competing against myself. I like to challenge myself more than I like to challenge myself with other people. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't look up race participants at any race just to see who's there. Cause that's not going to change the way I prepare or how fit I am. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to show up and do what I can do based on, you know, the circumstances of the day and the current fitness level I'm at. I like that. And maybe we can use this as a jumping off point is to race at your fitness level and not look at the other participants and that was something that was in my mind going into Arizona is that I had goals, but as the training block continued and progressed and got closer to the deadline, those training expect those race expectations lowered because the training wasn't matching what my initial goals were. Right. So uh-huh. as, as the, the lack of training continued, <laughs> the holes in my training continue, the time expectations dropped. And also in a way, it lowered my enthusiasm because I, I went into this, you know, months and months ago of like, sweet, here's my PR course because I PR there before. Mm-hmm. And it is, it is promoted as come to Arizona and achieve your PR. Uh-huh. 
And that wasn't the case, I wouldn't think, for almost anybody this year. Uh, so my expectations went lower and lower. And I go, ah, okay, well, here's what I can probably do based on fitness level. And that's, mm -hmm. I think that's a great thing for anybody who's listening is to go into it with your fitness level as your baseline. What can I do? And of course, it's probably going to ramp up a little bit just because it's the race situation. But that's yeah, and we nice. always, you know, we always have certain expectations or certain goals and, and where we want what we want to achieve. Mm -hmm. And and again, we have the experience to understand how life will impact those expectations and those fitness levels that we want to be at. And a lot of people who don't have quite as much experience don't really understand that now. They will. Again, I you know, I've been doing this for 30 years and every year I continue to learn something about myself and what I'm capable of mentally and physically. And that's what drives me to keep doing the sport. It's those um, failures or those those lack of luster experiences that I have or those situations or, or things that happen to me that I'm like, I don't know why. I have no idea why that happened. Mm. Um, but I'm still going to do that. I'm still going to continue to figure it out and learn from it and, and change some things if I if things need to be changed and then continue to do whatever I'm going to continue to do, whether it's shorter, faster, longer, faster, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, I, that's what kind of keeps driving me forward. So I want to hear more about your race. Did you execute it based on how you plan to execute it? How did your race execution go? I think it, um, it, it stopped real quick. Uh, execution wise, um, the initial game plan was over in a matter of minutes. Uh huh. I have, it was a great, I mean, I was, I was by myself and I, I was, I was okay with it. I understood why it was so early and it wasn't going to be exciting for family to come out and watch the swim. So I drove down there by myself, got there plenty uh -huh. early, walked down, did a quick little walkthrough video of the transition, put it online that morning. It was kind of fun just to, here's what the morning looks like uh, yeah. in transition. So the swim start was about a mile or half a mile off to one side. So we walked up there. I got a little emotional. I let my emotions mm -hmm. come out. I was look, it's, it's weird. I looked up at the moon and mm -hmm. the moon was a, a cradle moon. It was uh, the lower half was exposed. You can see the a light on the lower half mm -hmm. of the moon. And in my mind, when I saw that, I, this is weird, all goosebumps. Uh, I was thinking of cradling my son, like he's a baby mm -hmm. holding my, you know, cause sometimes he'll say, will you carry me upstairs like a baby? Both of them will mm -hmm. say that uh, when it's bedtime. And so I saw that moon and I got a little choked up uh, when I looked up and saw it, cause I was thinking of my, my son. And uh, it was, you know, I was waiting around and I got into the section and I, I wanted to get into the 130 time spot uh, mm -hmm. for the wave, but because it was crowded and I was stretching, I got into the 145 to two hour range. I think it's the, 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 the group I got into and I was, you know, got in there and, and one thing I was reminded of, you know, no one got a pre-swim and the temperature was announced and someone said 59 or 60. It was real close to there. And I go, mm -hmm. okay, well, I've been in cold water. I've been in the cold plunging for the last mm -hmm. three months. I am mentally and somewhat physically prepared for cold water. So right. I know what that's, I'm going to be okay. I can deep breathing. I know some techniques about getting your face in the water. Although I didn't, I, I forgot about the face in the water on what a shock that is at 60. Mm -hmm. So I wa I'm walking up. I saw some Vaseline, little, little small, like travel size Vaseline cups with lids on them off the side. And I got something going, oh, I remember this. 
on putting it on your face around your just between your nose and your cheekbone there's a that's the capillaries or something that mm-hmm. once hit with cold water elevate your heart rate and you know you hardly take a breath so i put some there on both sides okay well that's a good thing because i know the water's gonna be cold i thought oh, i can handle 60 because i've i'm uh-huh. ready so we get down there hit my watch looks like i started at 706 707 which is a little, I thought it was going to be a, one, a 710 or 715 just based on the flow of all uh-huh. the athletes, like 2,200 athletes or so. I I, uh, I jump in and like, oh my God, this is cold. I was and so I started doing the uh, head out of water uh, swimming, like a dog paddle uh-huh. uh, to like, in my head, I said, okay, we're going to get out there. We're going to relax. We're going to glide, streamline. And I was visualizing in my head what I need to swim like. And that if I casually, with a full wetsuit, casually swim, I can easily average 145, 150 at most. Casually, easily, don't overdo it. Just get into a rhythm because I got the wetsuit on. I'll be able to glide through the water. So I was very confident, very calm, got in the water, you know, kind of a relaxed look at my face, get in. Oh, it's cold. All right, that's fine. I know how to experience this. I'm gonna Mm -hmm. dog paddle with my head out of water, slowly the first buoy. All right, put my head in the water. Wow, that's cold. All right, then I go into my my reserve of my information, big breaths, blow out in the water mm-hmm. when you put your face into it, gradually expose yourself to the cold. So I was like, okay, I'm comfortable, I'm confident. Did that, did that, did that. Got to the first buoy or so, took me a little while, to a few minutes to get where I needed to be. And then I come to the first kayak. I swear, Wendy, five to six people on this first kayak that I visually saw within the first 200 yards. It was cold, that cold for a lot of people. So I kept going. And then five minutes into it or five, whatever it was on my watch, a lot of body contact. I got crawled over, hit, hit my watch and stopped it. How can you hit your Garmin at the same, the right spot to stop your watch? It's like, oh, damn it. Because I felt like maybe they hit my my button, but I, mm-hmm. I can't see. The water's dark. It's 60 degrees. Once we make that first turn at two, 300 yards or whatever it is, we go into the sun. It's like, oh, okay, fine. But it's a long stretch. It's a long stretch. So I'm telling myself, glide. It's going to be easy. And fortunately, I didn't have my hypo uh, breathing, uh, hypo, whatever, not hypothermia. Um, I, I didn't have the, the fear that I had in my previous two races where I couldn't catch my breath because I had a better wetsuit right. on. It wasn't too tight. Mm-hmm. But the wetsuit had some problems later, which I'll tell you. So I'm trying to get into a rhythm, glide. I got a whole mile at least straight ahead, but the sun's coming up. Mm-hmm. Can't see, the water's black, it's rough. So I'm just doing my best to get into a straight rhythm, remembering in my head if I, in pool swimming practice, if I close my eyes, what where do my hands need to enter in order for me to be straight? Okay, I can go, I can go four to six strokes and I'll look up. I did that, kept getting bumped into. It was very physical. A dozen times I got crawled over or got hit or something i know it's a part of the game sun 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 it seemed like it took forever to get where i needed to go and it's like oh my gosh this seems like a long way i mean i know it's two and a, two and a half miles a long right. way finally get under the second bridge because you know you're going on two bridges i use i remember those as visuals like okay there's one bridge there okay cool when i did see that bridge i got one more bridge to go around because i can't see the buoys very well because the sun is in that spot Plus people are splashing. So I'm going in there. I get to the turn, make the turn around. 
finally, but through the course of the swim, these aren't excuses, this is my race report. My Velcro on my neck, everyone has these Velcro hickeys, mm-hmm. tore the shit out of my neck. And it was mm-hmm. stinging. And I Every once in a while, and you can barely do this, I would try to reach back and see what it was. What was going uh-huh. on? Just to see if I can tap it, just to get, and then uh-huh. get back. So I was swimming like two strokes with my left arm while my right arm was trying to find the, the Velcro or whatever was itching. Mm-hmm. Then I make the I make the turn and the wetsuit I had, and this is it was a free wetsuit for a you know a demo called Sumarpo. The neck is too wide. It's not tight around the neck, super tight around the wrist, super tight around the ankles. So that was no problem mm-hmm. in terms of uh, not letting water in. But it started letting water in in my neck, and I was in the water for a long time as you saw from my times, embarrassingly long. And, it, and the, the swim, not an excuse, it felt long. It's like, mm-hmm. I, I shouldn't be out here this long. And I tried to look at my watch a couple of times and it was, fro- you know, it was frozen at five minutes. So I, but I, mm-hmm. I was like, maybe I had hit, hit, hit something else on it to see a different screen. That's what I was thinking. And I was trying to do that and I go, ah, screw it, whatever. The time is the time. I just was curious. But the water seemed to be getting colder toward the end and I couldn't get mm-hmm. to the end fast enough. And I was recognizing that there was too much water getting in through my neck into the wetsuit because that oh, no. neck hole was too big. Uh-huh. It wasn't the Velcro issue. It was just the neck hole was too big. I knew, I kind of knew that going in, but it got, right. got, it's like, am I going through a cold patch of water is what I thought. Right. Later, my, my hypothesis is that I was just in 60 degree water for way too long. And I right. was experiencing probably as other people did on Facebook shared maybe some mild hypothermia because if you're in the water, like I was for double check here, an hour and 48 minutes, mm-hmm. which was 30 minutes longer than I expected. Yeah. that makes sense that I would be getting colder than I should. So I finally get out of the water and I look at them, the watch. I, I think it said eight fifty. I thought it said eight fifty five. I go on. Is that right? An hour and 45 minutes of, you know, whatever it is like, what is that? That doesn't seem right. And so I'm toying my watch and I'm starting to run and I'm cold. Everyone's cold. Um, it was just, it was brutal. And I was and my right shoulder got jacked up for some reason. I think it's because I was climbing over people at times and I was compensating mm-hmm. so much. So where for the next three days, I couldn't reach my, my shoulder over my head. Oh, wow. Couldn't do this. That's how bad my deltoid was. Mm-hmm. I couldn't reach back. To, you know, reach to my kid, one of my kids in the backseat of the car seat. It's like, oh my mm-hmm. goodness. And I was thinking, this is just a muscle thing. I, I, it's nothing structural. It's just a muscle thing. I overdid the the right mm-hmm. arm for whatever reason. It wasn't too tight. It's just something happened where I, I was mus- muscling through the swim and I was out there a long time. So a long run from the end of the swim to the transition. And my transition was 15 minutes. And I'm sure half of that was runtime because once I got in the, in, got to the place, I put on this fleece uh, jacket for the bike. Cause I heard people and I read ahead of time that, Hey, if it's cold in the morning at 40, whatever, five, five degrees in the morning, it's going to be a high of 70. Probably it's going to be a while before you warm up, especially if you're in the water for, for me, like you know, two hours <laughs> at that temperature. So I put the fleece jacket, I was prepared there, got gloves on, got my helmet on, and then um, some guy was in front of me getting ready and I was shaking, just trying to like, oh my God, I can't believe it. I was like one of those, like, I was like, I can't believe how cold I am. I was like mm. sh- upset, surprised, not happy about it. 
and my shoulders. I mean, it's like all these things like, what a day. This is this is not what I planned to have happen. Right, right. And uh, and then so, while I was getting almost done, put my shoes on because the, the, everything had there had to be a clean uh, transition, nothing on the ground. You put all your gear into your bike bag gear and then you give it to a volunteer. And someone said, hey, uh, yes, sunscreen, please. And says the one guy said, "Don't put it on my neck. I will go. I will. I will turn into the Hulk or something because he had mm. a lot of neck issues too because of his wetsuit. And I felt mine. And it's like, oh crap, this this is uh, sensitive to the touch. And I had someone put sunscreen on me just in case, and it stung like a son of a bitch. But I had him put it on me anyway. All right. So that was my swim. At that point, I knew. All right. The 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 time goal is gone. If I'm taking two hours for this part of the race, it's gone." And it was gone. Mm-hmm. But my bike plan was the first two loops, the first 34, three to four hours, take it easy. Stay under 190 watts and see how the day goes before you take the next um, 40 miles and you have your marathon. So going out, Wendy, the, I don't remember the road being this bumpy. I don't remember so many gaps in the road. And and I read this, I followed up on the the Facebook group. They, were, they said it was like a, a yard sale on the road uh-huh. with water bottles, uh, nutrition, uh, actual pieces of bike that were – I saw cages on the ground. Because it was, it was so rough. It was so rough. And uh-huh. um, I had my helmet, a Rudy Project, kind of an aero helmet and my, my, my sunglasses. And every time I hit one of these long gaps in the road, I had like a clicking of your – it sounded like a clicking of your teeth, but it was the my mm-hmm. helmet and my glasses – bumping against each other. It's like, oh my gosh, this is not good. And I'm trying to stay in the arrow, but I'm cold. The road was really bumpy. From a distance, if you look like a, you know, you took, you know, 100 yards out, you look down, that's a smooth road. But the details of that road were not smooth. And eight miles before you hit the Beeline Highway, headwind. There was winds, little crosswinds on the way out there. Then mm-hmm. boom, headwinds. Like, oh, I've heard about this. A couple days earlier, someone said it was quiet. Three days earlier, when where I was when I got there, in the north part of town, it was super windy. It's like ah, but it won't be windy there. Okay, fine, sure. This is where it's gonna be fast. But I'm gonna go stay up my watch my watts, stay under 200, go out on the turn. I know it's gonna be better because of the uh, the, the headwind. I was going, and I, I remember saying this to myself. You know how you you're creating your your race report in your head. Mm-hmm. I was going 210, 215 in watts. I was going 12 to 13 miles an hour. Going, mm-hmm. oh my God, are you serious? I can't go any faster than this. I don't want to go any harder. And it's it's right. the first lap. So when I made the turn at 19 miles, I, I was averaging 14.5. It's like, uh-huh. this is ridiculous. Turn around, it'll probably catch up. I don't want to go any harder, but the tailwind will probably make up some of that time. Maybe I'll get back to 18 on average. I got up to 17.5 on average. So I knew with the same effort, I'll be okay. So my, my watts, as I'm remembering this, as I'm watching, I'm playing. I'm playing as I'm racing. Um, it was like 193 the first lap on Watts. It's like, okay, that's good. Fine. And now I know what the second lap's going to be like. And then as I made the turn, I had to pee really bad, but I didn't want to get off the, I didn't want to, I didn't want to pee in my suit for some reason. So I said, the race is not what it's going to be. Let's just go. I'm going to go to, I'm going to port a potty, get off my bike for five minutes, pee, mm-hmm. stretch, get back on because I'm just here to finish the race. So I was very content. Today's about finishing the race. I'm going to see my my son and daughter, my wife at the end. That's fine. That's what I'm looking forward to now. So I did that same thing. 
it was still windy, but I'm warmed up second lap. Oh my God. There was a, apparently a head on collision between two cyclists sometime between my first and second lap bad. Head on? Yes. Apparently the wind pushed somebody over according to the Facebook chatter. Okay. And there were more than a dozen emergency vehicles on the side of the road. I thought maybe the car accident, but the, the accident scene was gone. But there was red on the ground, and it was blood. And there was a hmm. a good, uh, not a pile, but there was a good pool of blood section on the ground. It's like, oh, crap, somebody fell. That's what I thought. Somebody fell. Yeah, yeah. But it turns out, going in different directions, you know, one's got the tailwind, and one's got the headwind, so someone's going super fast. I right. think someone got pushed going out into the other side oh, somehow. Wow. And they, they both got taken to the hospital. I don't think I mean that it was just bad, but it, right, it was right. deadly. It was bad from what I, I read. And uh, when I came back around, the scene had been cleared. They had like, you know, like cat litter or some gravel and sand in that spot of where the blood mm-hmm. was. Uh, it's like, oh my goodness. It's uh, it made sense that I thought someone just fell because of the wind. I mean, I had a hard, t- mm-hmm. I had a hard time keeping myself in the arrow position because of the wind and the road, because the road was just, in certain mm-hmm. sections that combined with the wind it wasn't safe to be in the arrow like i wanted to be but at time, if you're going 14 miles an hour it shouldn't be that big of a problem uh, anyways uh second loop i repeated the same process i stopped at the same aid station oh by the way i took my jacket off and mm-hmm. tossed it at the aid station uh the first time because i saw other people starting to warm up it's like i don't want to overeat right. and I'm, I'm peeing i had to pee really bad so at the same aid station on the second loop, uh, begin the second loop, I stopped for five minutes or so, stretched, took a pee, <laughs> and was like, oh, I'm just going to go out and do it again. So same loop, same situation. Got a little stronger, a little warmed up, and finished the bike in a very um, terrible time for me. It was 6.33, which I, I expected was going to be. I was hoping <laughs> I was hoping for 19, um, but because the headwinds were stronger than anyone expected. <laughs> this is not – I was thinking – Hey, come to Ironman Arizona. It's the best all-day uh, running buffet you can get in in, uh, in in Tempe or something like that. It's like this is it's gonna be a buffet day, uh, aid station buffet, because I'm I'm not racing anymore. I'm just going through the motions. So I knew at that I knew early on in the race that it wasn't gonna be a good day, and I'm just gonna manage. So that's where I am here. Transition into two. Um, I wasn't tired. This is really strange. I wasn't, well, I mean, at that, at that, those speeds in those times, I wasn't like, oh, my quads are, are terrible. I'm, I'm burned out because my Watts at the end of the day were like 165 because I mm-hmm. was going to ride this. I'm just going to ride this. It was a long, probably one of the longest bikes I've ever done. Probably is. Yeah. 633 is probably the longest Ironman bike I've done, but my legs were okay. So I get off going, okay, here's my race. Uh, mm-hmm. I've got the sunscreen everywhere but my neck. <laughs> and I went out and, and it's like, okay, and it's two out that way, two back, back this way. And I knew where the mile markers were on my mind based on the map. So all right, I'm going to break this up. going to go there, going to go there. And there's a mile six over there. going to go to eight, nine over there. going to loop around and um, just take it, take it easy. So I don't know if it was at mile five or six that I had the first four miles were very comfortable, very easy, you know, like nine and a half or nine forty-five. I'm not sure what it was. Very easy. 
to run. And then I think 10 miles in, it says I, I dropped down. I just started walking, Wendy. I just started like, huh, I'm not really into it. It was, it was a very yeah. strange feeling. Like it wasn't, I was cramping. It wasn't that I was tired. It was like, I have, I'm not motivated to push this. And I was telling myself, what's the point of going any faster? Um, it's not a PR issue. I know I've, I can run this normally, but it's just like, ah, uh, it's just not, I'm going to, I'm going to experience this. Like we talked about in the last podcast, mm-hmm. I want to, I want this feeling to run over me like water. I want to, I want to, so, I want to soak this, this feeling in of being here mm-hmm. uh, and looking around and even walking. I was enjoying the aid stations. I had some Oreo cookies, uh, end up having the chicken broth later. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to do this. It, and I, and I was telling myself too, tomorrow it's over. I mean, t- tomorrow at this time I w- will have done it just a matter of a couple more hours, just a few mm-hmm. more hours of this. I can do that. No problem. I just go through the motions, look around. And, uh, I wasn't smiling. Like I was having fun. I was like, uh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just doing this. I want to get this over with. I want to have number six under my belt. Great. Cool. Then there was a guy who went, I was catching up, not catching up. I was, I was, you know, trotting, trotting past and it, uh, his, his, um, local triathlon club jersey on and the bottom, it said, bye Felicia. And it brought a smile to my face. It's from a movie. And I said, that's, I said, because bye Felicia, you put the, you put a smile on my face. Thank you very much. Have a good day. And I kept on trotting by. It's like, oh, let's just, let's kind of just enjoy this. And so for the rest of the, of the run, I really walked a lot with no real urgency. And it wasn't because, again, it wasn't because I'm tired or my cramping nutrition. It's just like, eh, I'm, I'm just, hey, I'm here. I, no one, I have no one to see until the finish line. I haven't, I saw one person, uh, Shannon, uh, she's Coates, who's uh, yeah. her last name. I saw her out there, and that's the only person I saw that I recognized. She used to be a Timex athlete. So I saw her. She, I don't think she saw me. Um, but that was my day. I just, I was, and I, I also did this to myself. I said, I've come 130 miles so far. And when I was at the uh-huh. with 10 miles to go, I've already done 130 miles today. 10 miles doesn't seem that much, even though a 10 mile run when it's like, ah, I'm not really into it. seems like a long way to go, but I've already gone 130. I'll get 10 more to go. Right. So I was doing these positive uh, repeats in my head of it's only 10 more miles. I got two and a half hour, whatever it is. Like I got, you know, a few more hours. If I walk, I run, I walk, I run, whatever, no big deal. It got dark. I wasn't cold. I thought it might be too cold. Um, and so I just did that. And it was, I, I seriously, I looked around while I was walking. It's like, all right, you're here. This is what I wanted. I wanted to know what this felt like to go 130 miles, 134 mm-hmm. miles to pass the 18.25 mile run that I did at home as my long run. Once I passed mm-hmm. that, this was all new experiences. And I think that's why I slowed down because I haven't gone, done this in a long time. What mm-hmm. is it? I want to remember what this feels like. I haven't done an Ironman in seven years. What does eight, what does 19 miles feel like of jogging mm-hmm. just to physically to be out there? And so that's what I did. I just went slow and, um, no urgency, just took it in. I was really far back in the pack. I, it, it made sense. Like there's not very many people around me. I've never been in this position. I think I, when I finished just under 14 hours, uh, mm-hmm. 1354, not nothing against anybody. Else. I just, I've never been this far back in one of these races where normally I wouldn't be. 
Um, and then, you know, I was in a way the last four miles, again, I was doing that little math, 136 miles down, 137 mm -hmm. miles down. Um, but I almost didn't want it to end because I wanted to continue to be in this feeling of mm -hmm. I'm here. This is my iron. This is my last Ironman for a while. And I, I knew that this is it. And then I knew the mile marker was at 25. I go, okay, I know where 24 is. It's before the bridge. Okay, 24 there. I only have two miles to go. That's easy. Let me jog it. And then I looked at my watch and I go, where am I in my time? I know that it's, I've blown out my time, but where am I? And I thought, uh -huh. ooh, I can break 14. Uh -huh. Okay, let's pick it up. Mm -hmm. And I think, I don't know where it was, but according to my splits, uh, I, I definitely picked it up in the last few miles. And so the last mile, I did pick it up. Last mile and a half, I picked it up because I thought, oh, I want to break that 14 just in case, you know, again, this is Mike Riley's last race. If he's going, all right, who can make, you know, here they come, guys, you know, the sub 14 athletes or whatever it is. Like, if I can make 14, sweet. That would be kind of mm -hmm. like, there's my little victory. I can break 14. Yeah. I don't want to go over 14 on this day. If I can break, and I was doing the math, I go, all right, oh, there's my overall time. I can see my overall time when I started. Okay, I can do this. And then I realized I can really do this because I it was like five and a half minutes to spare. I can really do this. So I jogged the last, I, I had an opportunity to just walk but I pushed it the last, not pushed it, you know, I, I ran yeah. the last mile and a half, no matter what, even though I could have stopped. It's like, ah, oh, tomorrow at seven, whatever o'clock it was, eight o'clock, I'll be home. Cause we, we flew home the next day tomorrow at this time. And with a mile to go, I'll be back in Spokane tomorrow at this time. And how good is that going to feel knowing that I did this? I was going to uh -huh. finish anyway at this point, but so I jogged the last half and half mile and a half and as I made the turn around the corner, I think I shared the video with you, right? Where I saw my family. So I turned the corner yeah. and I was looking, I was looking. All right, there they are. Yes, there he is. There's Finn. Give a big old kiss. And the video I, I shared with you, I felt like I sat there for 10, 15 seconds. But in, in reality, it was like there four seconds. And I gave him a kiss uh -huh. and I said something to him like, hey, buddy, I'm going to do it or something. Or we uh -huh. did it. Whatever. It felt like 20 seconds I sat there. But it, in reality, it was, it was a... a snap was gone. Uh, -huh. uh, but at least I got that experience with him. He saw me smile and that was my goal. Yeah. I want him to see me having a good time. See me <laughs> not upset that mm -hmm. it didn't go my way that day. It wasn't a PR race, big deal. Saw him, kissed him and went down. And I also, and I, maybe I told you this before, I want to make sure I have a gap between me and the person behind me. Yeah. So I'm not in someone's Finish. photo. Yes. So I don't want to be in someone's photo. I don't want someone to be in my photo. So I purposely and that's what increased my speed in this last mile and a half. It's like, I want to get a gap between the person behind me, not to be a jerk to them, but for that mm -hmm. photo. And so I told you, I had two finish line photos in mind. Mm -hmm. I got them both on camera. And then one was showing the number four in one hand and the number two in one hand to signify six Ironmans. And the two is something my son does where he puts it up to his eye and like gives you mm -hmm. a two. So that was my four to two uh, fin finish. And the next one was, uh, kind of a Hulk Hogan, you know, point to one side and flex the other arm to the other side. Yeah. And that was my other one that I want to do um, at the finish to have a a photo somewhere on the wall later. And I nailed that one too. So I was, it was like, yes. And I heard Mike say my name and I, I pointed, but I they have lights flashing on you mm -hmm. in the dark. You may not know about that. When they're, you're in the dark, you can't see anything. Mm -hmm. So I heard Mike and I pointed up to wherever I thought he was. And then I did that coming across. And then I stopped the finish line and gave him one of those. Awesome. Yes. 
and it was awesome. And then I, I waited, my wife, her mom, my two kids, I waited for them to make their way to this other side. And, and that was, that was the best part. And because I didn't go hard, you know, mm-hmm. um, I was walking. Okay. In the past, like, Oh, cramps or whatever else mm-hmm. I went over and had a couple pieces of pizza, sat down and go, all right, that's it. Let's go get my bike. And I went home. <laughs> that was it. Sweet. And I felt so relieved, so content. Did it. Nothing else to prove. I'm done. See you later. Thanks for the memories. It's over. And I was just really relaxed. Um, yeah, I love it. Even though the time wasn't what I what I wanted to be, the the goals changed throughout the day clearly. And mm-hmm. it's like ah. Didn't work out. It's an experience. It's an experience, and yeah, it's an experience, and it's another opportunity to enjoy the process of what just happened. Yeah, and you know, it sounds like you learned a lot, a lot of lessons learned to share with others, like you just did. Mm-hmm. And you know, if use it, you know, save it for another day. You can you can use this, you know, put it in your toolbox um, for the next Ironman or next adventure or whatever else you decide to do in the future. It'll always be there for you. And I think with any, if who, who who's done one before, who you haven't done one, once you've done this, you really feel not invincible, but like there's nothing <laughs> hard to do out there. Mm-hmm. I know that there's other harder events, but you can do an Ironman in a day. What can't you do? What is there's nothing in, insurmountable that you physically can't do if you can handle one of these. Even mm-hmm. even though I was two and a half hours slower than I wanted to be. I managed 14 hours of exercise in one day. Mm-hmm. I right. moved nonstop for 14 hours. What can't I do? And I think that carries over into my life of when I go and play darts, for example, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to be a very competitive dart player. When I look at my other competitors, I have a confidence and calmness about me. It's a different group of people, clearly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're not athletes per se. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm good. I, I can handle anything that you can do. You know, it's a weird confidence, not like an mm-hmm. arrogance confidence. It's like, all right, I'm here. There's mm-hmm. almost like a martial artist where there's a calmness that you can be, you can handle something. If it, if, if it blank hits the fan, I'm good. I'm ready mm-hmm. anytime. So by doing another one, uh, it reaffirms my confidence because it's been a long time. I feel right. not a poser, Wendy, because it's been seven years, 2015. It's been a long time since I've been an Ironman. And I feel like I need to do one more to justify my membership in this community. But that's just right. me. I know one no, time totally in Ironman, all it. time, all time in Ironman. But it's like oh, it's been a while. I don't feel like right. I need to do one of these to be able to 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 walk this talk, talk this walk, walk this talk. Right. I mean, it's like me. I just wanted to do Kona one more time. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have one more experience with all the knowledge I've gained and the changes I've made, and the attitude I had and the, the, the positivity and just experiences I've had. I just wanted to bring it all into Kona one more time. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really glad I had that opportunity, um, last month and, in October. And even though the, the times weren't there, you were there and it, it yeah. took something to get there. And I think anybody yeah. who stepped up to the line, you look around and there was a guy in the plane when we were flying home the next day, who had his, his some, you know, gear on or something. And he got, uh-huh. like, he patted me on the shoulder, like, Hey bud, what's up? You know, like, Hey, good job. You know, like a little wink yeah. and a smile, like, Hey, yeah. we're, we're, we just did something together that no one else did on this plane. And that's, that's neat to, to yeah. and I bought gear. I bought, 
hundreds of dollars worth of gear, uh, mm-hmm. like souvenirs. And it's like, I don't, I don't get this is my last one for, I'm going to spend some money here. Mm-hmm. Hang a jacket, three or four shirts, a couple hats, uh, the banner that has your name, you know, like yours that from Kona, every one of these, these M dots in the back of your shirts have like the names, which is a brilliant marketing idea. Um, I'm getting one of those. I got one from her friend. It's like, this is, I'm going to enjoy this. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that's that. But the day before was the Iron Kids race that I got uh-huh. to do with my boy. I got to and... go. I have to go. Oh, you got to go? Yeah, it's three o'clock. Oh, crap. That went fast. All right. Well, it looks <laughs> like we have a part, a, play, a part two coming up next week. A lot to catch up. I'm sorry. No, I, I, I don't even know if we want to include this. I got to go in the podcast, but I got to yes. rush off. You got to rush off. All right. That's it for 381. We'll catch up <laughs> next week. Wendy's got to go. Thanks for watching. Have a great week. Great week of racing, recovery. Training, whatever. Adios. Adios.